In Genesis chapter 6, God says, I will destroy whom man whom I have created. I will destroy him from off the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But God had respect to Noah, and he saved Noah. But in those days of Genesis 6, evil was all over the face of the earth. Where man was, there was evil. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of man of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Are you ever grieved by the wickedness that you see? Are you grieved at the things on television where women flaunt themselves in front of men and are half naked? Are you grieved at that? I'm sure you are. If you are of God, you're grieved at that. Are you grieved when someone is going to get married and they have been living with that man and sometimes even had a child by that man? And then they, a year or so after they have had sex, they're going to marry? Are you grieved at that? I am. It becomes so difficult to even be happy when someone says they're getting married because often they are divorced and going to commit adultery by the marriage or they've already been committing fornication for a year or so before the marriage. And aren't we grieved at this sin of this world today where, mar where uh, sex outside of marriage is so common? Even thought to be normal. Today, it's normal for this to happen. It's flaunted in front of us constantly on television programs, and I'm sure in the churches it happens. Are there people sitting in your church group right now who are having, who are living together and they're not married? Are there homosexuals and lesbians in your church group that you're accepting? See, all of this is the end times. For as the sin increases, we see the end times, just like in the days of Noah. Man was so violent, so wicked, God said, I'll destroy him. Well, in the end, he's not going to save the heaven and earth. He's going to destroy it by fire. We are going to have the great tribulation come from God before the end, before this earth is destroyed. It's told to us in Revelation chapter 8 through verse chapter 16, the plagues that God is sending in the end. It's not going to be like the day of Noah, where one person is saved by an ark and life springs up again on the earth. This heaven and this earth will be destroyed by fire. There won't be any people here. There won't be any heaven and earth here. The people of God are taken to the new heaven and the new earth 
which is described for us by the Apostle John in Revelation 21. Let's look at the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. If you're going around thinking that you have to praise the current Jerusalem, you're wrong. It's the new Jerusalem that we're taken to. The people of God are those people who follow God by his spirit. It's not this nation of Israel. That's not the Holy Land. That thing you're calling the Holy Land, or they're calling the Holy Land, trips to the Holy Land. That's nonsense. They deny Jesus. The Jews deny Jesus. The Arabs deny Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. There's nothing holy about this. They're trying to live in the Old Testament. The Jews today are trying to live in the Old Testament without sacrificing animals for their sins. See, the only sacrifice they had for sins was the blood of bulls and goats. And they're not even doing that. What is their sacrifice for sin? You have to have that sacrifice of blood. They're not shedding their own blood. They're not shedding even the blood of animals, which is hard to read about, but that's what they did. That was the plan God had until Jesus was brought forth to walk on the earth. In Leviticus, we read all about the laws of Moses where they shed the blood, brought it to the, they brought the animal to the priest. There was an exact way to shed the blood of the animal. The blood was shed as sacrifice for their sins, to pay for their sins so God wouldn't completely eat them alive. There had to be something to appease God, and Jesus hadn't yet come. Today, Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. But if you think that you can go on in the sin, you're wrong. Jesus said to the woman taken in adultery, go and sin no more. You can't continue sins if you have been forgiven by God. You can't continue in those sins because there's no more sacrifice for your sin if you have already sacrificed through the blood of Jesus. You don't have any more sacrifice. If you sin willfully, willingly, after the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for sin. That's what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 says. And it says that as they were slain in Moses' day for doing this, how much sore punishment do you deserve today for trampling under the Son of God and denying the Spirit of God, who is the grace? That's in Hebrews chapter 10 if you want to read it. You think the wickedness isn't as bad today as it was in the day of Noah when God destroyed the earth with water? He's not going to destroy the earth with water again. That's the rainbow is given to remind God not to destroy the earth with water again. And when we see the rainbow, we always know that it's a sign from God. The earth won't be destroyed by water, but it will be destroyed by fire. Well, let's look at the new heaven and the new earth for a minute. That is in Revelation 21. God showed this to the Apostle John. And John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, 
coming down from God out of heaven as a bride prepared for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Why? Because we won't have these fleshly human bodies at that time. Before we are taken off the earth when Jesus returns, we are changed out of these bodies, and we go in a new body. We are removed from these bodies we now have. The fleshly bodies we now have are subject to pain and destruction. The new body will not be. So there will be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. Uh, The passage of Scripture which tells us we'll be changed in a blink of the eye is in 1 Corinthians 15. Just blink your eye once. That's how fast we will be taken out of these current bodies. And we are given a new body according to the will of God. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. So that is the heaven and the new heaven, the new Jerusalem where we will be taken. First Thessalonians chapter 4. The dead in Christ are going to rise to meet Jesus in the air. Why in the air? Why do the dead in Christ meet Jesus in the air when he comes? Why do the living who belong to Jesus and are following Jesus Why are they going to rise and meet Jesus in the air? Well, it's really very simple. This present heaven and earth are going to be destroyed by fire at the end. You can't live on the present heaven and earth. You will be taken to the new Jerusalem and given new bodies. Well, we'll look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13, Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, asleep, concerning those that die, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Why are you doing all this carrying on? It's just sorrow for yourself. We should be focused more on the resurrection because we do have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now let's look at Second Peter chapter 3 for a moment. Start at verse 10. 
but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Think of that coronavirus. Look what it did. How fast it changed everything. That's kind of like the day of the Lord will be. It isn't the day of the Lord, but it is. it allows us to understand this better. What happened? Everything shut down at once. All of the sporting events were gone. No more live sporting events. Something we've never seen before. The business is closed. Times Square was vacant. I, I mean, it's just shocking to me what happened. Rather instantly. It was like a thief in the night. The things we had been used to were temporarily gone. So it helps us to understand this. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Now the first thing Jesus said would happen before he came is the powers of heaven would be shaken. That's in Luke 21. The powers of heaven would be shaken. Things will happen that only God could cause to happen. And that's what all the prophets confirm in the Bible. The sun will turn dark. The sun will not give its light before Jesus comes. And after that, after the powers of heaven have been shaken, then Jesus, the sign of Jesus will be seen coming through the air. That's in Luke 21. In that order, Jesus said, then after the power of heaven is shaken, then they will see the sign of the Son of God coming in the air. Now, let's go on with this. The day of the Lord will, not, will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. I think that happens after the great tribulation because I know the great tribulation comes upon this earth and the earth has to be here before it, so it can come upon this earth. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved but at the end they're going to be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's the one John described in Revelation 21. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. That's how we have to be, because no one knows the time or the day that Jesus will return. But when he returns, we have to keep ourselves so that we will be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And the only way we're going to be that way is continual prayer to God taking all your concerns to God, one by one, living in peace on this present earth, second by second. That's the only way we will be ready. Another thing that has to happen before Jesus returns is the churches will fall away from Scripture. That's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's look at that. In the NASB, if you care to check that Bible uh, translation, this is called the apostasy. This falling away that uh, in the King James Version is called the falling away. 
In the NASB, it's referred to as the apostasy. Apostasy does not come through governments of men. It comes through the churches. I think in the King James Version, it's very clear that this Antichrist comes through the churches. If you look at this, let no man deceive you by any means, says Paul, verse 3, for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first. What is this falling away? In 1982, God showed me this scripture and opened my eyes to see the falling away are not people leaving the existing churches. The falling away are churches leaving the scriptures and setting up other doctrines. We see it in the churches today. They have fallen away from doctrine after doctrine after doctrine presented in the New Testament Bible, such as a man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. If the woman, divorced woman, remarries, she commits adultery. If the man remarries after he divorces the woman, he commits adultery, unless it's for fornication. If she's committing fornication, he could remarry, but not the woman. You'll think that's unfair. You'll think that's unreasonable that there's a different rule for men and women. Years ago, I asked God about this, and he said, but he's keeping the seed of the woman pure. She's different from the man. She bears the children. And Malachi says the same thing, that it's because of the seed that there's this one wife that, and she does not go out and just marry one man after another, divorcing and remarrying, divorcing and remarrying in the church. That is all doctrine contrary to the Bible. One other scripture is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. It's a commandment of the Lord, Paul says. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband. And let not the man put away his wife. So women say, oh, my husband's committing fornication, so I have the right to divorce him and remarry. You do not. Not according to the Bible. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. That's a commandment of the Lord presented by the Apostle Paul and written for us in 1 Corinthians Chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. So you see, there's a falling away that has happened in the churches. They have discarded these scriptures, and they have set up doctrine to please men. That's Antichrist in the churches. So Paul said, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Well, we've already seen the falling away in the churches. It's rampant. It's in full bloom, which means the stage is set that Jesus could return any time. Because when the falling away came, the restraint against Antichrist was removed, and Antichrist, through a spirit, could move into the hearts of men in the churches. So, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, I see him all the time, he's Antichrist. He came here at my house the other day in the form of an exterminator who said he was Christian, said he was of God. He was Antichrist. He didn't follow scriptures. He hadn't heard from God. He hadn't heard to go out and do ministry trips, as he said he was doing. He 
He came, I, I challenged him on every point, and he did not stand up to anything, being a Christian or being a minister. He might have been a minister of Baal, a false minister, but he hadn't heard from God, and he couldn't tell me he'd heard from God. He was false. He was Antichrist, the son of perdition. He calls himself a Christian. He sits in church. He goes to church every Sunday. But he's a son of perdition because he does not uphold the scriptures and the doctrines of God, of Jesus, in the New Testament Bible. He departs from them. He falls away from them. So let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God, where does he sit? He sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now in verse 10 of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we read what will happen to those people who delight in their churches and sit there in an Antichrist church where scripture is disobeyed. Verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They don't love the scriptures. They love their churches. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You can't stay with the unrighteous. You can't stay with people who don't love the scripture enough to lay it down their lives for the scripture. You don't stay in churches where they have set up all this false doctrine. I had a Jewish woman say to me that, oh, we don't follow, we believe in Jesus, but we don't follow Bible because we have our own doctrine. I screamed out, there isn't anything but one doctrine, and that's the Bible. You can't have your own doctrine and cast aside the Bible, for Jesus is the Word. You can't say, I believe in Jesus and cast aside the Bible, who is Jesus, for Jesus is the Word. So this is insane. These are false Christians. These are Antichrist that had to come in mass before Jesus could return. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.